Let's get started. Bottom of the Smash Mountain Podcast, Season 1, Episode 2, Rebuild Cities and Gamer Tags. I'm your host, Cypher, also known as Jesse Wall, in case you want to know me by my real name, but that's the whole... Well, you, I know it says Jesse Wall presents it. Let's just get to the podcast. So yesterday when I was making all of the pre-cut, all the, that's not the right word. I was making the intros and the outros for my pilot episode. I was thinking, oh, it would probably be good to have a little bit of something something at the start of the podcast as I'm talking. But I realized that on the Anchor app, you have to sort of choose a whole segment to have music added onto it. So if I want to have an intro where I'm talking for a little bit and there's music and then it stops, I really have to just record it two separate segments. But then it also gives me an opportunity to think. So that's some workshop for you if you want to use the Anchor app like I'm using in conjunction with my iPhone to make this whole podcast float. Then there you go. That's just a little tip for you. Now, today we have not so much of a gaming discussion around Super Smash Brothers, but more about the NFL football, specifically about the Eagles and the Washington football team. I have a very special guest. He is my best friend. He is a big WFT fan. Joel Espenshade hops on to Bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast. Not to talk about Smash per se, but we do get into a little bit of gaming stuff, so stick around for all that. And let's see. I made a few mistakes, or at least uh, there's some things in this interview that I should just warn you about now. First of all, the intro is going to be about 10 seconds of silence because Joel cut out and... Am I going to edit it out? No. I joked about editing it out, but part of the bottom of the Smash Mountain podcast lore, if you will, is owning up to the little errors. And maybe eventually I'll clean it up, especially if I sell out one day and read ads and stuff. But we're not there yet. This is the second episode. We're going to be a little rough around the edges. Raw. Passionate. Come on. I like to get excited about embracing laziness. <laughs> so we're not going to edit that out, okay? It'll be 10 seconds of silence when I'm like, are you there? Are you there? And then we figure it out. And his audio doesn't sound super great, but I suspect that we can get that fixed when we have Joel come on because we're absolutely going to have Joel come on. He is my best friend, as I said. He and I we're in the same homeschool co-op here in Lancaster County, and now he's down in Virginia with his lovely wife, and he has a whole life down there, and I don't get to see him anymore. Well, I should say hardly, maybe a few times a year. But we talk very frequently, at least over messaging on Facebook Messenger. That seems to be our favorite mode for communication. And I messaged him, and I said, do you want to hop on my podcast, my new podcast, for a few minutes? And he said, I'm down. And we ended up going for 44 minutes without really just... <laughs> we realized, oh my word, we've been talking for like 40 plus minutes, and it just felt like nothing. It felt like 
that felt like two minutes, honestly. I love talking with Joel. I'm really happy that we got such a great segment and uh, interview, if you will, all that. But I'm hoping that you enjoy the interview as well. So going to try to get into it. But before that, I need to talk about some of the other things that I made an oopsie on. At some point, I mentioned Javon Hargrave. Now, I butchered his name so bad, and I realized it, too, as I was saying it. I was like, ooh. So let's just do Javon Hargrave right here. Let's go to the Wikipedia page for him and look at some stats, look at some of his story a little bit. Let's not pretend that he isn't important because, Javon Hargrave, you are a very important person. So... Just a snapshot, Javon Hargrave selected in the 2016 NFL Draft to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He plays defensive tackle. He's six foot two, 305 pounds. At least that's what it's listed here on the Wikipedia page. And by the way, shout out to Wikipedia also. Y'all real ones, I've loved you ever since I learned about you in 2005-ish, I think. Great internet resource, even if some people like my teacher, a.k.a. my mom, who didn't always accept Wikipedia as source information, but we're all using it still today, so just saying. And the career stats for Javon Hargrave, as of now, 206 tackles, 19 sacks, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, three pass deflections, one defensive touchdown. Pretty good stats. There's some more probably on it. Yeah, NFL.com, but I'm not going to go that far. So that's your basic snapshot. He was drafted to the Steelers, and then he signed with the Eagles for the 2020 season and was injured for part of it. I remember when he first signed, I thought, ooh, Malik Jackson's coming back. This Javon Hargrave, he's going to be a great piece of the rotation to help out Fletcher Cox, to spell Fletcher Cox a little bit, to spell as in give Fletcher Cox, Cox oh boy, should I edit that out? No, I'm not going to do that. Fletcher Cox, excuse me, is a great defensive tackle. But when he has played so many snaps over so many seasons, starts to wear just a little bit and having some rotation set up so that he might maybe take an extra 5, 10, 15 snaps off in a game. And especially if we're winning by a lot, not that we were doing that this year, but I mean... In, in regular seasons past, it would have been great for Fletcher Cox to have a constant presence with him like Malik Jackson, like Javon Hargrave. But I lamented that Javon Hargrave and Malik Jackson were injured at times this season, and Fletcher Cox at the end of the season also got injured. So not a great season for the Eagles. And so we talk about that, and we talk about the Washington football team. Rebuild cities. Washington football team being one year ahead, but good for them. They had a successful season, according to Joel, and he'll tell you why. So I think what I should do now is try to remember if I had any other things I wanted to say before we get into this interview, but I'm not thinking of it, so maybe I'll just include it in the outro. That's workshop, baby, or that's podcasting, baby. Let's get into this interview. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. Joel, how you doing? We can edit this out. 
I didn't get you the first time, so that's why I'm. You there? I am here, although I'm not sure if I'm hearing you. Let me talk some more then. Tell me if I'm good. I'm just going to continue talking and let you uh, equalize or whatever you. Uh, <laughs> I'm not equalizing. Doing. Trust me, I'm not doing that at all. All right. When I, when I read about this podcast stuff, and I'm sure you've come across this as well, something to the effect of like, what hertz do you want your microphone to be? Or like, well, how do you, exactly do you want your sound to come out? And it talked about words like Hertz or something else, you know, the H E R T Z thing, you know, I, I'm just totally lost with that. So the reason why we're talking now and this whole thing's happening now is because I realized with the anchor app, how ridiculously easy it is to record podcasts. They like do this whole link thing. So shout outs to anchor, I guess. I see. So what are you talking about on this podcast? It's called Bottom of the Smash Mountain. So it's more of the Super Smash Brothers content, but I am a big Eagles fan. You are a big Washington football team fan. So I thought that might be a better focus. Although I do want to ask you one Smash-related question. If you were to go to a tournament and they said to you, cool, what's your tag? What would you say? What's my tag? So help me understand. I think I know what a tag is. It's like an anonymous like handle, right? Yeah, it's your handle. Like, you know, like how do you want to go by in that tournament community? So it's not specifically, you don't have to necessarily make it your entire persona. Although a lot of smashers, that's their Twitter handle. It's their Twitch handle and so on. Mm. Huh. That is a hard question. Um, if you want to put it in the back of the oven and let it bake a bit, we I'm can gonna come back to that. It. Yeah. going to gonna ruminate i gotta i gotta come up with some ideas so give me yours what's uh what is your tag it's cypher zero zero three but you know people would just people would just call me cypher there is supposedly one that spells it differently in the mdva area so actually kind of in your neck of the woods but like i said that cypher spells the name differently so <laughs> i'm not i haven't actually ever entered a competitive event anyway so that's the whole reason why it's called bottom of the smash mountain because i'm like the lowest of the low i haven't even entered a tournament yet <laughs> and, uh, when i do after the pandemic is uh, uh well behind us uh I, I don't think it's gonna be great results for a long time so anyway <laughs> We both like football very much, uh, in particular the NFL. You also follow college football, so I don't want to sell you short on your football acumen. You follow it year-round, and you're very kept up on not just the Washington football team, but 
pretty much the NFL as a whole. Yeah, I do my best uh, to follow the whole league. I I would not say that I follow college football per se, like as a college football fan, uh, but I do I do get up for the draft pretty good. So I do uh, I do keep an eye on uh, any prospects that I may have heard of. Uh, coming in and I try to uh, make some pretty educated uh, guesses about who I would like my team to go after and um, what position groups I think are strong overall in a class. But yeah, if you asked me how Arizona State looked against Utah, I, I couldn't tell you. I don't even know if they play each other. <laughs> I you have to think that they at least see each other every now and again. There's that's they're pretty close, so why wouldn't they? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess I think they're in the same conference, but I'm not sure. Uh, no, I have no clue. I have no idea. <laughs> yes, the story of these players that go from amateur you know, collegiate level to pro. It's not something that I get into per se. It's just more like I want to see them when they're in the NFL. And I don't know if it's because the process of going from end of the college season to the combine, to the draft, to camp, to regular season games is too long. And Uh I just go, yeah, just, just, I'll just read up on the rookies once they've played a few games. I don't know if that's my problem or not, but I think it, it actually just roots back to me. I don't like college football that much. I'm really just a big pro football fan. Honestly, same. Uh, if I don't have a dog in the fight or if I'm not watching a specific player or two, I lose interest in college football games very quickly. But I don't think it's a problem that, that you don't pay attention to the draft or to prospects or anything. In my experience, it tends to lead to a lot of disappointment because you don't get who you want. I still end up disappointed, believe me. (laughs) Yeah, for example, uh, Jalen Rager, not great uh, for his rookie year. There's still time. But uh, I had Justin Jefferson as my wide receiver four in the class. well ahead of Rager, and obviously he had a pretty decent rookie year with the Vikings. You don't say. Uh, yeah, there's some vindication to be had uh, when you're when you're correct, but uh, it doesn't really do me any good. Well, in in terms of, we obviously are not GMs. We like to think that we could be, I guess, on occasion. I'll at least speak for myself in saying that, oh, yeah, I could totally make the right move. But when you get, have the benefit of being able to look back, of course, as an Eagles fan, the big thing of the draft is the theme of Howie Roseman picking a wide receiver and then a wide receiver being picked afterwards actually turning out to be the more immediate impact player, DK Metcalf, and then this year, Justin Jefferson. So, hooray for that. Uh-huh. But 
I want to ask you what your general feeling of the Washington football team season this year, how that went, because obviously Washington football team got to be the best of the worst. If you want to say Eagles got to be the worst of the worst and you had, you know, a, a punching chance, a fighter's chance for sure against the Buccaneers there a few days ago, just to contextualize this, this is a few days after that game. So we don't have to talk about that specifically. You can talk about the season in whatever context you'd like. Well, yeah, I mean, coming into the season back in like January, uh, after we knew kind of what the draft order was going to be after we knew that Washington obviously came in last place last year. And we knew that Ron Rivera was hired because he got hired officially on like New Year's Eve, I think. Uh, it was pretty easy to establish some goals because you have nowhere to go but up when you're three and thirteen. Um, so I had a I had a pretty clear list of goals that I wanted to see the team accomplish this year. I wanted to see, number one, if they had their quarterback of the future in Dwayne Haskins. I wanted them to uh, establish a clear identity of what kind of football team they were going to be on the field under Ron Rivera. I wanted to see the defense uh, elevate into the top 10 and kind of make good on the amount of draft capital that we have invested in the D-line with Jonathan Allen, Deron Payne, uh, Chase Young, Montez Sweat, you know, four years in a row of first round picks going to the defensive line. I wanted to see that pay off. And then the last goal was I simply wanted them to double their win total from the year before. I wanted to go from three to six. And I thought that was going to be pretty attainable, um, you know, with a last place schedule and playing an NFC East division that, you know, maybe the Cowboys had high hopes, but. I kind of saw the Eagles as a nine-win team and the Giants were going to be bad. So I thought there were games that we could take advantage of there uh, to get to six. And now we're looking back at the season as division champions, um, one and done in the playoffs uh, in a close loss to Tom Brady uh, and the Buccaneers. And I think it's pretty obvious that they've hit on all four of those goals pretty uh, emphatically. You know, Dwayne Haskins, obviously not the answer you wanted uh, with him not playing well and then not only not playing well, but getting cut um, prior to the end of the season. Uh, but it's an answer. You know, we're not going into 2021 still asking, OK, is he still going to turn it around? Is it is it too early to think about investing in the quarterback position again in the draft? No, you need a quarterback for 2021 and beyond. Haskins was not your guy. Uh, your identity as a team, you know, I think they've identified themselves as a team that has a really, really, really stout defense. They're very tough in the red zone. And they were a second-half team all year long. Uh, as, as the Eagles figured out in week one, uh, surrendering a 17-point a lead, um, and giving up 27 unanswered. You know, Washington has been a team all season long that maybe didn't play so well in the first half, but they adjusted, they rallied, and they never quit on a game, uh, even in the games that they lost. 
And then obviously, you know, your defense caught fire and they won seven games. So uh, they accomplished everything on my list. I'm not sure. uh, I'm not quite sure yet what my goals for the following season are going to look like. But for now, I'm very pleased with the trajectory that Ron Rivera has the team on. What do you think about the narrative? At least I don't I've seen this because you know how upset Eagles Twitter gets over every little thing. I saw a few people in the Washington sports realm saying something to the effect of the Washington football team broke the Eagles apart. Hmm. Do you have any thoughts about that? Or is that just Twitter fodder? I think that's mostly Twitter fodder. I think the Eagles did a pretty good job of breaking themselves apart. Uh, to be honest with you this season. Because we played you guys twice, but we played you in the first game and we played you in the last game. So we really only saw the Eagles once before all or most of the damage was done. Uh, And I think even after we won, the Eagles saw that as kind of, you know, tripping over their own feet. Uh, They got beat by a team that they were expected to beat, but you know, they were going to turn it back around. They had a lot of time. And uh, I still think that Carson Wentz is a terrific uh, specimen. A, a terrific well, there you go. You're having a hard time. Just ha- you're having a hard time complimenting Carson Wentz. Well, you know, you're like doing your the best. The engine is good and the body is solid. There's, there's not a lot of rust there. It's a couple repairs that you need. Uh, but I still think that he's definitely salvageable as a quarterback. Um, I just didn't expect them to bottom out as quickly as they did uh, this season and as uh, messily as they did with Doug Peterson getting fired. Uh, Was that yesterday already? Yeah. Yeah, yesterday. (laughs) Uh, That was definitely not something that I expected to see at all. Yeah, and I – I would not agree with the uh, with the Washington football team broke the Eagles either, but it uh, it's just very it, there is a part of it that is sort of like the poetic sort of thing where it's like the first chink in the armor and then the straw that broke the camel's back sort uh-huh. of an idea that I could that I could see, and your divisional opponents. When you're not doing well against them, that says the most about your team. Since you do play them twice a year, they do the most homework on them. You do the most homework on that team and, sorry, the other three teams. Yeah, I was obviously disappointed with the Eagles season. I mean, what Eagles fan wouldn't be? And so far, not so good for the offseason. I was expecting somebody to be fired, but then I thought, if one Howie Roseman or Doug Peterson gets fired, the other should probably be fired as well and just start fresh aging roster, bloated contracts. The salary cap is supposedly going down, or at least that's what I keep hearing. Uh So you might as well just blow up and start over, but keeping Howie Roseman, at least as of right now, I'm very concerned about that, but my my view of the season isn't necessarily that any one team broke us. We just had 
a lot of dysfunction starting to rear its ugly head, a lot of injuries and quarterback play being awful. Carson Wentz was awful. And when he got benched, I thought it's probably time. There's not going to ever be like the perfect time unless there's an injury. And I am not wishing any more injuries on Carson Wentz. So it was going to be ugly no matter what. Philly is not the right town to have two playable quarterbacks. Yeah. As we, as we've kind of seen before, um, before the boat got so, so rocky uh, with Wentz and Foles, you know, I think, am I wrong thinking that there were, there were at least some people that wanted Foles to be the full-time starter there or was, was Wentz pretty secure even after the Super Bowl? They, the Eagles fan base was split for sure. I would say, a, a solid quarter, like 25% of us were really gunning for Foles, like being the starter and saying, why would we take the quarterback who won us the Super Bowl, who played so well in the playoffs, uh-huh. the Falcons game notwithstanding, but against the Vikings in the NFC championship game and the Patriots in the Super Bowl played very well. So you can, you can take that formula and you can probably apply it to regular season. Right. Am I right? But, the organization did everything they could financially and lip service and everything to say, no, we are going with Wentz and we're so confident in that we're not shipping Nick Foles out of here right away. We kept him on for an additional season. And of course he came back in and led us to another playoff berth and we still stuck with Wentz. So Another that, that playoff did surprise win. me a little Not bit. Not just getting there, but the double doink happened. And we all love the double doink. Yeah, I think that's a common trait among teams with long spells of bad quarterback play is that fan bases are much quicker than normal to oversell their backup quarterback and to fall in love with that guy as the the possible savior uh, and and give their current starter a shorter leash uh, for better or worse. That's definitely happened in Washington. Like you said, it definitely happened or maybe is still happening in Philly. Um, it's just difficult to, you know, keep perspective and be honest about what you've got on the roster. Um, and I think for Philly right now, you've got to – playable quarterbacks certainly it's not unrealistic to think that either Wentz or Hertz would be a capable starter next year but I think it was either it was either John Madden or Bill Parcells who said that if you have two quarterbacks you really don't have any Um, because if one's not uh, clearly better than the other it says right there that you can easily improve that position. It's still a position where you need a guy that's head and shoulders better and that can take you into the top 10 in the league. So yeah, it's not an enviable position in Philadelphia right now to try to figure out what to do there. Uh, And it's not a job that I think is going to be very attractive uh, for potential head coaching candidates right now. Um, 
you know, that's that's just the way it is when you have a salary cap problem that the Eagles have and a quarterback controversy that, you know, your predecessor kind of created for you. I'm I'm not even sure who I want to be the head coach, who I would be interested in for a defensive coordinator. It's just all really right. messed That's up in my head as of right already now. Announced that he was going to step back. That's right. Yep, he is stepping back. He's not going to be the DC. So yeah. we have a few former DCs on our staff, like defensive staff that. I could not tell you any of the names off the top of my head, but I imagine that we will most likely be cleaning house for the coaching staff, maybe having a few stay on. I would hope that Jeff Stoutland, our our offensive line coach, that he stays around. But I, I almost wonder if between Jeff Laurie and Howie Roseman, if they want to try to have a bit of a harder reset. But in... Jeff Laurie's press conference, video chat conference that he had yesterday, he did not say the word rebuild, according to the Philly beat writers. And I'm sorry that I'm not giving the proper credit to whoever posted that onto Twitter. I'm sorry. I think I follow all of you. <laughs> so <laughs> the point is, is that he, Jeff Laurie, did not say rebuild. He said a lot of things like it, but not the actual word. So I, I wonder if they are going to admit that or not, but you have to, when you fire a head coach who brought you a Super Bowl and then also was there when things started to fall apart for whatever reason, I don't know if I would go as far to say that this, this season was all on Doug, but you kind of have to look at reality. To me, it's rebuild city. Yeah. Um, it definitely is. And it's, it's shocking partly because of how recent that Super Bowl is. I think uh, a big part of why the Eagles underachieved this year was because a lot of that core from the Super Bowl uh, is still there and still on pretty expensive deals, but they have lost a step. They're not quite at their peak anymore. Uh, so you're not getting players that are outperforming their contracts anymore. You're getting underperformers relative to what they are paid. Um, but, you know, typically a coach gets the opportunity to ride that out and bring in the new core. Uh, I can't remember if there has been a head coach that got fired within three years of winning a Super Bowl, particularly for a franchise that has not won uh, historically. You know, Jimmy Johnson and Jerry Jones parted ways pretty soon after their last Super Bowl together, but um, that was at least publicly described as a mutual decision. Uh, this one, I don't know how mutual it was. There are reports that Doug wanted out and was tired of being told what to do, I think the line was. So... I don't know, but it, it does seem odd and out of character in the NFL uh, that a Super Bowl winning head coach doesn't get a little bit longer of a leash. And what does that say to the rest of the head coach candidates who are looking for a gig? And there are at least six 
total head coach positions open or maybe more, but the idea being, does anybody want to come to Philly where the general manager is still there and the owner obviously is, you know, perpetually there, but the general manager who got the Andy Reed head coach fired, the Jeff Kelly coach fired, and now the Doug Peterson coach yeah, fired and Howie Roseman is market. still there. Uh, extremely tough media market and obviously tough fans uh, in Philadelphia. They love their teams hard and they expect greatness. At all times. Yes, we love hard and we hate hard. That's probably a good way to put it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so current head coaching positions that are open, uh, Texans, Lions, Falcons, Chargers, Jacksonville, I think. And Philly. Yes, Am Doug Marone was fired. Both Dougs are gone. Poor yeah. Dougs. Is it only six? Oh, the Jets. The, did yeah, you say that? Yeah, Peyton's I was going to say if you asked. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, thank goodness yes. for that. Peterson has actually been linked to the Jets uh, a couple times. Joe Douglas is the GM is up there, Joe and Douglas? Joe Douglas was in the Eagles. Uh, Joe Douglas was formerly in the Ravens front office with Ozzie Newsome. Yeah. Is that his name? He retired recently. Um, and then he moved to the Eagles organization to kind of be the the voice of, hey, Howie, draft this guy. But then Howie drafts whoever he wants anyway, allegedly. And then, and now he was hired by the Jets, uh, not this offseason, but the past offseason. So, a lot of people seem to think that he's going to steer them in the right direction. It'll be his second draft upcoming. And obviously with the number two overall pick, most coaches will, who are, will be head coaches who want to have that job are understanding, Hey, we're getting Justin Fields most likely since Trevor Lawrence is heralded as the number one overall. Obviously the combine will do everything that the combine does to undermine that and be like, but what if they draft Justin Fields? What if the Jaguars draft Justin Fields and then Trevor Lawrence isn't the number one overall pick? Gasp! Yeah, you bring up the combine, which is interesting. I think recently we're starting to see the combine mean a little bit less for particularly the quarterbacks. Um, I remember many years ago now when Cam Newton was coming out, Blaine Gabbert was the top prospect in that draft uh, leading into the combine in Indianapolis. And then Cam lit up the world and he started climbing up draft boards. It was not a given until maybe a week or two before that he would go number one to Carolina. Whereas I think in 2018 or 2019, I'm getting my years mixed up. Kyler Murray went to the combine and tested a little taller than people thought. And then immediately, boom, it was a foregone conclusion that he would be the number one pick, or at least the number one quarterback taken, because uh, Arizona still had Josh Rosen at the time. But it happened very quickly. Last year, um, the draft order really didn't move much at all. It was going to be Joe Burrow all the way from December and January in the college playoffs through the combine and to the draft. So 
I think Trevor Lawrence is pretty safe as the number one. I'm not sure how I feel about Fields, but I think he is clearly the number two quarterback, if not the number two pick. So, yeah, I'm not sure how much influence the Combine really has for quarterbacks anymore, uh, particularly because a lot of them opt out of testing to preserve themselves from injury, and they just do a pro day workout. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, but keeping our focus on the draft, I know you don't scout a lot of players or anything, but, uh, your Eagles are picking six this season. What position would you highlight? Uh, what, what two positions I would say, uh, are you going to be looking at first if it were your call, uh, on how to use that sixth pick? It's got to be offensive line or defensive line. But then my heart wants Devontae Smith and doing everything we can to get Devontae Smith, who is a wide receiver. I saw his highlights from the championship game, which was last night, I believe. If I'm not It was last mixed night. Up. He had an unreal first half. 200-plus uh, yards, three touchdowns before halftime. And, uh, yeah, didn't even look like he was trying. And that might be because uh, he didn't have a whole lot to worry about in terms of defense. They did not seem to scheme particularly heavy on him. <laughs> it looked like he had a lot of open yes. lanes, but uh, one play that I saw, what you do is take yeah, advantage of I that. I saw a play making the rounds on Twitter in which he was in man coverage with Ohio State's middle linebacker. Um, it was yes, clear I don't know what play you're talking about. And, uh, yeah, not what you want with a Heisman winning wide receiver in the national championship game. That actually, now that you're mentioning it, the middle linebacker, that reminds me of when one of our linebackers was matched up against Chase Claypool. It's a yeah. Chase Claypool mm-hmm. of the Steelers, right? He, <laughs> it was his fourth touchdown that game where it was third and eight or something like that. The Steelers are trying to ice the game and we're trying to stop them to get the ball back and tie the game, I think, with a touchdown, something like that. And, yeah, we had a linebacker matched up on Chase Claypool. Oof. That was a touchdown. So I know that feeling, Ohio State fans, for the probably zero of you that listen to this, but the point is... I want Devontae Smith, but that's recency bias, and that's also falling into the trap of drafting a wide receiver in the first round two years in a row, which is a not great look. But if he's there, I don't understand how you don't go for someone like that because he looks electric, but we'll see. Yeah, he's an intriguing prospect. He's another guy that can absolutely blow the top off of a defense. Uh, similar to what Rager is supposed to do, um, but obviously uh, a little bit higher ceiling for a guy that just won the Heisman Trophy. So I would not fault anybody for making that pick. Um, I mean, maybe I'd fault the Jets. That's a little bit of a luxury. But, you know, uh, that's that's certainly an avenue uh, that you could go down. There's a, There are other great receivers that should be taken fairly high in this draft as well. I think uh, Chase 
I can't remember his first name from LSU, uh, is also projected to go pretty high. But offensive line, defensive line would be your choice right now if you were in charge and if not for the uh, recency bias with Smith. That's an interesting, interesting take. To get back to the offensive line and defensive line, I say that because we have Fletcher Cox and Malik Jackson, and I don't want to pronounce this wrong, but is it Jadavin Hargrave or Hargrave? Oh, boy. And is that even his first name? Oh, boy. But he's the defensive tackle from the Steelers that we signed uh, earlier this leading up to the 2020 season. And the three of them, least of all Cox, but Jackson and Hargrave are not going in a positive direction health-wise and age-wise. And Cox, I believe, is getting near to the 30-year mark, which doesn't mean he'll be a terrible player by automatic default. It just means that he's not trending in an upward direction anymore. And our defensive ends are also getting older. Derek Barnett, who is a solid player is not playing like a first round pick. I would say not at the, not quite at that level. I mean, he hasn't even approached a double digit sack season. That's what you would hope for the 13th overall pick. If I recall correctly, it was either, he was either taken 13th or 14th overall. And all that to say defensive line, I would be happy with that at number six and offensive line, same deal. Brandon Brooks, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, and I have to assume that Jason Peters is going to somehow manage to get back onto this Eagles roster next year. <laughs> uh, but he, um, at least the first three, Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson, Brandon Brooks, all getting older and injury prone, you could say. I mean, Lane Johnson and Brandon Brooks in particular I have to give a lot of credit to Jason Kelsey, though, while we're talking about him for sticking it out in a really bad offensive line overall. But he he did his part. I'll just put it, uh-huh. I'll just put it that way. Yeah. So for the Washington football team, what is their draft pick for in the first round? What, what number is that? Is uh, that a low 20s? Washington obviously had the worst record of any playoff team. Uh, There are 18 teams that miss the playoffs under the new format. Uh, So we will pick 19th this season. And if it were under the old format, uh, in which 20 teams miss the playoffs, we would be picking 21st. So good year to win the division with a bad record. You get a slightly better draft pick. So, yeah, high, high teams. Uh, is where we will be selecting this year. The obvious uh, target position would be quarterback. um, Because right now, the only quarterback on Washington's roster under contract for 2021 is Alex Smith. Um, I love Alex Smith. I have talked at length this season about how amazing it has been to watch out triumph over his injury and come back to the field and be a critical piece in them winning some big games. Uh, 
particularly the Pittsburgh game, he played really, really well, and I don't think they win that game without him. But I do not want to see him on the field in 2021. Um, I really hope that oh, he chooses to retire. And if not, um, they're going to have to do the hard thing and cut him from the roster because he's not someone that you can rely on over a 17-game season, uh, as I believe it will be next year. Um, even as a backup, I just don't want to see who – I just don't want to see what could happen uh, the longer we push him out there. So I would re-sign Kyle Allen. Uh, I would re-sign Taylor Heineke and let those two kind of duke it out for a backup role but I would like to see a new starting quarterback. And if there is one that they like at 19, it'll be hard to say no to that and go other directions, even though there are obviously other positions of need. Despite the fact that Ron Rivera is in the organization and will hopefully steer Washington to much, much better horizons because Ron Rivera is that dude. Even still, Dan Snyder is still the owner of this team and may just, you know, well, pick somebody that may not be the best pick for 19. If that's either reaching for a quarterback who is like a second round prospect or otherwise, but I'm not saying that uh, like as like a first case scenario, I'm just saying that I think that Ron Rivera was the best thing that's happened to Washington football team since like maybe I well no. When was the last time Washington football team won a Super Bowl? Uh, that year? January twenty sixth, nineteen ninety two. So yes. Since yep. I was born in ninety five. So Yeah, it's been a long time and uh it's it's also been a long time since they were routinely competitive. You know, they made they won the division twice in four years, in 2012 and 2015, but they did it with different head coaches and different starting quarterbacks. So it really was not any kind of continuation of success. It was just kind of two separate blips that happened to be uh, pretty close to each other. So, yeah, any level of sustained success under Ron Rivera will be a marvel for this franchise that we haven't seen in many, many years. Yes. And for your sake specifically, not for mine, but for your sake specifically, Joel, I do hope that the Washington football team is able to improve and be competitive. If not for Super Bowl, then for the playoffs. And if not the playoffs, at least for a shot to make it. But in this NFC East, you would have to hope that they would at least be competitive for the playoffs. Sheesh. If we all finish below 500 again next year, that will just be more fodder in, or more am ammo in the cannon for these NFL people to be like, we shouldn't care about divisions anymore. Best records go to the playoffs, baby. And I... I'm not here for it because I'm in this division. I don't want them with the Eagles. I want them to go to the playoffs if only because we finish with a what was it supposed to be? A six nine and one record? 
if we had beaten Washington football team yeah. and the Cowboys. Yeah, something like that. Because we've yeah we finished four wins. So, oh my gosh. Hopefully, bigger and better things are in the future. But right now, it does look a little bit bleak as an Eagles fan. But for WFT, it's all yeah. systems go. To to wrap up, since we've we've gone forty minutes without really blanking here. I appreciate the time. I want to wrap up with getting back to the question, what do you think your tag would be if you were to enter a tournament for Super Smash Brothers or otherwise for any other sort of game? Or maybe even, well, no, chess, you would just use your regular name. But chess is a really big thing right now with that Queen's right, Gambit sure. show on Netflix. Well, I have thought a little bit about this. Uh, I keeping with the theme as a Washington fan, as a big fan of Ron Rivera's, I think my, well, first of all, is there a character limit on this? Because it's probably a little long. But assuming that there is not, I would have to go with in Rivera we trust, uh, and the I in Rivera would be a 1, and the E would be a 3, because 13 is my favorite number. I was going to... Cast Riverboat Ron. It is a little, but that's too easy. And uh, in Rivera, you know, we trust. I, I myself am not the Riverboat. You know, I can't take that mantle from him. Uh, so in Rivera, we trust. I think that's good enough for me. And I think I already in my head have like a a rough idea of how that play style would actually translate. I I I do feel that some people choose tags that actually lend themselves to a certain play style. Not that it's true 100% of the time, but it's, I I think about it every now and again. And and not that I think that a top player who has a, a specific tag being like, Oh yes, that's exactly how they play. But just like whatever the reason behind choosing it or how they choose to brand themselves with it. Since a lot of, top players at the very least they have streams they stream full-time as well as play the game to like support themselves and make a living like have to make that all work somehow but anyway in Rivera we trust I would probably say that most people would try to shorten that somehow we'll but it. most people would respect it we'll especially... workshop it we'll, huh? we'll turn it down a little bit <laughs> yeah if you get announced at a tournament as the winner or a finisher of top eight, they would read the whole thing out and everybody would get excited because it'd be like, oh, that's so sick. And he loves the Washington football team, but hopefully they would actually be named something else. I am personally am going for Huskies just because I picked that very randomly. But anyway, I want to thank you for coming on. I do want to give you an opportunity to have the red carpet rolled out for you and you can wrap this up however thank you, like you very to as much well. it's been a pleasure joining you uh lancaster born and raised miss my hometown miss my best friend uh living it up in pa so uh hope uh hope to see you again and hope to be welcomed back to another episode in the future i appreciate that hopefully you'll like the audio and by that i mean it's not super great audio, but the whole idea of this is that we're starting out and we are going to 
see if we like it or see if we want to try to make it better. So I am very open to doing all kinds of stuff in the future. And uh, near the top of the list, top of the list is having you on again. So thank you for coming on, Joel, and hope to see better Eagles and Washington football teams in the next season to come. Thank you very much. All right, have a good one. Why is it so quiet? Oh, right, transition. You're still here? Oh, great, because I did remember what I wanted to say before the interview. You also would have heard my lovely child, Ellie, my daughter, and also my wife, Jen, maybe, holding back Ellie, who ran out of the bedroom when she was supposed to have been asleep maybe like 90 minutes before, like an hour and a half before she come, she comes charging out of her bedroom and is like, Dad, stop talking! <laughs> I don't know if you picked that up, but that's what she was on about. She's like, stop it, stop it! Why are you having fun without me? Why am I going to sleep? What is wrong with you? Why aren't you in bed? This is all messed up. Or maybe she didn't think all of that, but there you go. There was the interview with Joel. We'll be so excited to have him back on the show sometime. And I have his socials, well, actually just his Twitter, listed in the description of this podcast. And I didn't even talk to him about this yet, but I'm going to also be tagging him on Twitter to do all the well, maybe just the one clip of maybe like a 60-second clip of our interview where he's laying down some great points because that's what he was doing the whole time. Can you believe that was the first time he's been on a podcast? Joel sounds like he podcasts every day. He was so great. So I'm really excited to get him back on another time, and it gives me an excuse to actually talk to him because when we're messaging on Facebook Messenger, it's just text. So it's great to talk to him. And I'm worried that I'm actually going to be doing that with a lot of people. Like, I'll try to have more of a, of people on the podcast because I don't want it to just be my voice all the time. I'm worried that they're going to be like, Jesse only reaches out to me when he wants me to go on his podcast show. That's kind of weird. But, like, I, I'm not a person that reaches out to talk just to talk. Usually I have a reason to talk to you or I think to myself... Why would I reach out to someone who I haven't spoken to in either months or years, or it's been at least a solid few weeks? We're all just busy. I'm a parent. I have a lot of friends that are parents and are married now, all that stuff. And I just go like, what's there to talk about? I'm I'm sure there is a lot to talk about. I think that the connecting to the person is, is the whole point, but I'm not, yeah, I'm not great at that. So... We'll figure it out. Hopefully you'll be here to figure that out with me. I have some more stuff cooking. Tomorrow, hopefully, is when the brackets will be finalized for Mewtwo Kings Frame Perfect Series 4 tournaments. So I'll hope to go over the bracket, the projected bracket, make some predictions, and build up some hype for it. I'm really excited to watch the tournament as much as I can uh, while also being a wonderful husband and a wonderful father. Oh, so sweet, so sweet. And let's see. I am going to do a recap of that as well. So that's the plan coming up for the next few podcast episodes. And I guess there's NFL weekend, divisional playoff weekend that I could react to as well. But obviously, since the Eagles are not in the playoffs, I don't know 
how much I really want to talk about. Did you see what the Ravens did? Which, by the way, go Ravens, you know, Baltimore. Close enough to Philly. Anyway, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Let's get you out of here. You've been here for almost an hour or an hour plus by now. So thank you so much for joining me and Joel today. Hope that you have a great day. What does the cow say? Moo. Moo. Good job. What does the kitty cat say? Ow. Good job. What does the doggy say? Woof. Woof, woof. Good job. Can you say linguistic specialist? Okay. Good job. That was a good try. Can you say outside? Do you want to go outside? Okay. Okay. Can you say bye-bye? Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.